Hi everybody, welcome back to Jewish Teen Talk. Another week, another beautiful and amazing episode. Thank you so much for sending in all your questions. Uh, we are, I just wanted to start off with some feedback because uh, your feedback gives us the motivation to keep doing what we're doing. So um, maybe Bashi will read the first one. Sure, this one came in from Chava. This isn't a question. I just wanted to let you know that I asked the question about how to gain confidence and, ans and you answered it in such a practical and clear way. I never, got, I never got an answer for that question and now I got such a good answer. Thank you so much and keep doing the amazing work you're doing. So Chava, you're welcome. <laughs> Thank you for your feedback. Absolutely. And you know, feedback, uh, you know, we put our um, hearts and our uh, voices out into the world every week and we're not sure if it if it uh is hitting anyone so it's good to hear that you know your question was answered um that's the reason why we're doing this not necessarily to answer the questions but just to validate and let you know that your questions are heard yeah not all your questions will have answers that will that you will hit in such a uh, practical way but i'm i'm very grateful and we're very grateful that your question uh, was answered uh the second uh, piece of uh, feedback that we got was thank you for making such an amazing podcast where us teens can send in anonymous questions and you validate every question no matter what level of Yiddishkeit they're at and you're very non-judgmental we need more people like you so thank you for this feedback because that's exactly what we intend um, and that's our goal with this podcast is to allow people the space, allow teens particularly the space to send in their questions, to get some clarity in confusing times. You know, I talk with Bashi all the time that uh, if someone paid me a million dollars, I would never go back and be a teen again. It was really the hardest years of my life. Uh, and so I don't underestimate the difficulties and the struggles and also the power and the strength that you have. So absolutely, you're very welcome. And also, if I can add, the struggles that Shu and I have been through and teenage years shape who we are. And so that's right. what makes us, you know, strong-minded, um, reassured, um, um, determined adults, all those good qualities that, you know, that we have as adults are thanks to our teenage years where there was so much development happening. And like we discussed last week, with Lee on Jewish Teen Talk when we spoke about, you know, very important topics. She reminded us of like the brain development during this time and also how much growth the body, the mind, the every part of us is growing, you know, during teenage years. So, right. So, it, and it's, and it's, there's a reason for it, I want to say, because a lot of times, you know, we think like, oh my gosh, why is this happening to me? And when is it ever going to end? It does. And if anything, it ends up being um, transformed into great qualities and resilience and strength and determination and all yeah. those qualities that we need as adults. Yeah, not to say that we're advertising for struggle as teens to create good adults. You can become a wonderful adult without going through intense struggles, but you can use the struggles to uh, become amazing people like Bashi. <laughs> um, and also the 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 word struggle we also discussed with Lee. So tune into last week's episode. It was a very powerful podcast. Um, and when we spoke about the word struggle, 
pain is going to happen to everyone in this world because that's the way that Hashem created the world and Hashem has very good reasons for it even though I don't I don't really know why or understand or yeah. understand it, but struggling and suffering happens when we feel very alone. And so that also, you know, is is very much the reason why we started Jewish Teen Talk. So, you know, all the teens out there, you're not alone. And hopefully, you know, you're hearing questions that are being addressed on this podcast that are being sent in by real teenagers like you from all over the world. And it's, you know, hopefully it can help you know any teens out there that feel alone and i'm the only one going through this i'm the only one that has these questions what's wrong with me right. but here on jewish teen talk you can hear your questions being addressed and realize you know, you're not the only one going through it yeah yeah um so let's get right into it uh first question is i struggle with intense anxiety but i really dislike therapists and therapy and as of now, it's out of the question for many reasons. I heard CBT is a good choice for anxiety, and I'm wondering if CBT can be done myself at home without a therapist. If yes, how can I go about it? Where can I get resources? Please answer this ASAP. I'm really struggling daily. Thank you so much. So um, you must not really dislike therapists because I'm a therapist and you're listening to me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so... Uh, I appreciate the question. Um, I know that a lot of people, um, I think therapy, therapy has, a, a, for some reason, has a, what is it, what am I looking for? The, a negative connotation. Yeah, negative. Uh, uh, um, feeling or relationship. Yeah. yeah, people have a negative feeling about it. And, and therapy is also very expensive. So, you know, and there could be other reasons why therapy is not an option. Uh, with that being said, um, you are worth it, you know, and if you're really struggling and it's affecting the quality of your life, um, there's no price and no reasons that are strong enough to, um, you know, to be more strong than you having a good quality of life. So with that being said, I will take, you know, as uh, at face value, the idea that you cannot go to therapy now for whatever reason, whether it's finances or community or, you know, whatever the reason is. But if I could just jump in for a second, there are... Yes, you can. If it's a financial reason, there are organizations that will help with the finances, that will help, um, you know, maybe they won't cover the whole cost, but they can give half of it they can cover that so if that's the reason that that you know that you're not able to go to therapy you yeah. can reach out to us on jewish teen talk even anonymously and we can direct you to you know depending on where you live to, to resources. those resources to help yeah. you yeah so uh cbt um is cognitive behavioral therapy and that is one of the primary um modalities of treatment ways that we treat anxiety uh, cognitive behavioral therapy believes that we remain unhappy because we don't behave we uh, we um, get used to acting in ways that go against our best interest and so cognitive behavioral therapy is a way of training yourself to act differently 
um, I would highly recommend a book on ACT, which is Action and Commitment Therapy. Uh, the, the people who created ACT were people who were treating people with uh, uh, depression and anxiety with cognitive behavioral therapy and were not seeing good results. Um, the, the difficulty with cognitive behavioral therapy is that you can get into a trap where if you're not seeing results, then you start blaming yourself and you start getting into more of a um, downward spiral. Acceptance and commitment therapy is very different. You absolutely can do that by yourself. There's a book called The Happiness Trap, uh, which I would recommend that you buy. It has very practical things that you can do, including uh, mindfulness um, and ways of approaching your own thinking patterns, ways of understanding the ways that you're thinking. Um, it will take commitment. So part of what helps with seeing a therapist is that you don't have to do it on your own. You know, you have that uh, um, someone who will check in with you and, and, and uh, do the work with you and then check on your progress and, and encourage you to continue. So if you're doing it on your own, those are things you'll have to do on your own, but you absolutely can go ahead and start and it's never a bad time to start healing. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with everything she was saying. Um, I myself have struggled for many, many years with anxiety. And the reason why I use the word struggle is because I felt very alone. As a teenager, it was like all what I was going through, nobody else understood, nobody else goes through this. I never heard the word anxiety being even spoken about. And I just want to, before you know, I share you know, what's helped me, um, two things. First of all, I also had very negative experiences with therapists where it was like, you know, based on the traumas and all negative and, you know, it was like too intense. Mm. And then I totally um, was like, I don't want to go to therapy. I don't believe in it. It's just like, you know, wrecking my life even more. Right. But I want to tell you if that is another reason or the reason why, you know, you're, you're disliking therapy and therapists and it's out of the question, don't give up on one therapist that didn't work because I really think of therapists and you know any helpers out there um, with any modalities as a shidduch. Right. And if when you find the right one and they're using the right modalities, modalities means like the right ways of doing therapy with you, um, then you you can get very lucky and it's, it can it's, be life changing. And yeah. it can. And Shua and I, you know, both are in therapy and it is very healing and we don't have to um like shua describes you know we don't have to walk around with these heavy you know bags of rocks or these heavy rocks that we walk around with in life that are that can hold us back from right. really being free and being ourselves and reaching our you know our fullest um potential so i just wanted to say that off camera well on camera but um and the other thing i wanted to share was something that's actually in the tyra it talks about that when someone is in prison, so they're on the other side of the door in a cell, they cannot open the door on their own. There you go. Thank you. So they cannot free themselves. They need someone on the other side of the door, someone who's already free or, you know, who's already experiencing freedom to actually open that door for them. Right. And it's discussed also in Tanya and Hasidus a lot, you know, the idea of talking. Talking is actually considered action. 
And when we sit with a therapist, or now you know there's other ways as well, it's not only talking, but when we're able to um, see someone who is on the other side, that is not as bound and as, you know, like we're very like, you know, with the, the issues that we're having or the emotions or the struggles, we're like one with it and we're, you know, it's totally part of us. And it takes, in order to be able to separate ourselves from it and to heal, it is with the help of someone else who can, you know, guide us and help us, you know, navigate life without labeling ourselves by our struggles or without, you know, feeling like there's no light. And so I did want to mention that because it is something that definitely, um, you know, Tyra and Hasidus explain the power of being able to speak with someone else. And that's also why the Rebbe was so, you know, was so um, passionate and, and, and was, you know, begging his followers, please get a mashpia, please get someone that is an objective, you know, um, is, is someone who's objective, who can help you, who can, and that, right. you know, that person can help us navigate life. Um, so, and, and then going back to my personal struggle with anxiety, so CBT, I actually went to, when I did find a therapist, I was actually looking also for CBT, because I heard how, um, how practical it was, and that, you know, it would be very positive and action-based, and I, I, that's what I wanted, and it helped me tremendously. I did it with a therapist. Um, one other tip for anxiety, which works every time, and this is actually what my psychologist recommended for me, is gratitude. Yes. And when, and anxiety is kind of, if you think of it, it's like on one side of the brain. And when you start thinking of it, gratitude, it's like a polar opposite of anxiety. So they cannot exist at the same time because anxiety is all about the future. It's all about worrying about, you know, mm. what will be or what, what might be or, you know, what could be. And gratitude is in the moment. So specifically, anxiety is in the back of the brain. We're in fight, flight, or freeze. Our, our sympathetic nervous system is activated. Our automatic responses are activated. Gratitude is in the front of the brain. Our, our prefrontal cortex, our ability to think cognitively, our ability to be present, our ability to have sympathy and empathy. So when Bashi's talking about the two sides of the brain, it's actually the front and the back of the brain. Yeah. Yeah, I was doing this. I would do like that, <laughs> thanks to Shua's um, explanation. But yeah, try it. Um, I did not think it would work. I was having crazy anxiety when I woke up in the morning. And then she said, you know, choose. You want gratitude or anxiety? And I'm like, I can't choose. This, mm. The anxiety just takes, is, just takes me over. And it works. Yeah. Um, my da'ani is the first word we say in the morning, which is gratitude. And at any point during the day, I do this myself. Like when I'm worrying about, you know, something or... I go back to gratitude during the day. It could be in the middle of the day. It could be as I'm driving. It could be as I'm, I'm, you know, I just go back to gratitude, even if it's one thing, two things, three things. Before you know it, that anxious feeling that's like, you know, will dissipate, even if it's yeah. just for a little bit. Yeah. The other thing to consider, and I think that that might be an issue with why people don't like therapists, is that sometimes we get stuck in the problem. And... Um, I want you to consider, just for yourself, the fact that your anxiety is very intense. You, you describe it as intense anxiety. And I'd like you to consider your strengths that allowed you to accomplish and do 
whatever it is that you've done and you've accomplished in your life until now, despite your intense anxiety. Because I don't know if people who don't experience anxiety know what that's like, mm -hmm. but it's crippling <laughs> and it's handicapping. And the fact that people have that strength and the resilience, resilience means the ability to handle and continue despite intense stress and obstacles, um, you know, the fact that you have that resilience shows on tremendous strength. So, you know, that's another thing to focus on. Yeah. Okay, so our next question for this week. People say that we have been given free choice. Do we actually? Because Hashem has known what our every action is going to be since we were born. Hmm. It's such a golden question. Um, and it's not only teenagers that are asking this question. Um, I've taught, you know, students that are 10 years old, nine years old that have the same question. And adults are going through life wondering the same thing. How do yeah. I have free choice, if Hashem knows everything, if Hashem created everything? Um, so I'm gonna let Shua take it away to start answering. I just think that this question is so connected with the previous one. In other words, I think we're all struggling with the fact that, um, you know, a zookeeper doesn't let the monkeys run the zoo, right? Like, look at the world around us. It's going so crazy. Why doesn't, is Hashem asleep on the job? Why, how would Hashem allow these things to happen? Um, and when we know ourselves that we're given responsibility for our own lives, that's tremendously um, anxiety provoking. And it would be so much simpler if we weren't given that choice, we just uh, didn't have to struggle, knew what the right thing to do was, and just did it. And I think that when you're, we're struggling with anxiety, it's important to remember that, you know, Chassidus teaches us that Hashem did not want angels to be the ones to, um, to do mitzvahs because they don't have a choice. So Hashem kind of contracted himself and then took the greatest part of that and contracted it again and contracted it again uh, more than 10 times to a point where our world was created where we have the ability to choose. And it's almost like Hashem, um, and we can't understand this point, but Hashem obviously has the ability to know what we're going to choose, but he wants us to make the choice. And the, the other piece of that is that Hashem is not just sitting back, twiddling his thumbs, putting his feet up and watching us struggle. When we're struggling and when we're having a really hard time making those choices, Hashem is struggling with us. Hashem is in that pit with us in the, in the darkest places that we've been. Hashem is always there. Yeah. Hashem gives us many opportunities. And yes, he orchestrates those opportunities because he sets everything up. But it really is our choice where, like in other words, if Hashem, you know, sends us an opportunity to grow or to, or to you know, become better or to do something positive, we, we choose if we're going to take that opportunity or if we're going to go down another road. Right. And that is in our hands. And even in Tanya, at the beginning of Tanya, there's, you know, that famous question, like, how can we promise that we're going to be a tzaddik? How can the neshama, the soul, promise that it's going to be righteous and it will never do wrong things? How is that even possible? Because 
And then, you know, later on in Tanya, the Alter Rebbe, um, the first Hasidic Rebbe explains that it is a potential that we're created with. That means we have the possibility to, and especially a tzaddik, someone in this world who's righteous, but anyone in this world, Hashem gives us, Hashem creates us with like a recipe. And the recipe that we're, what we're created with is in order for us to get to like to accomplish the most we can do and to you know move and move um to make this world a better place mm. but when we're in this world with all those capabilities and we're also given the struggles that we're given we do have that choice so for example and, and it does connect to the other question some people choose therapy they choose healing they choose recovery and it's hard work i'm doing therapy right now um, on, you know, a specific, um, so something specific that's, you know, holding me back. And I want to quit many times. Like, it's hard work. Yeah. But we do get to choose in this world if we want to do the inner work, if we want to tap into our qualities um, to help us move forward. And whatever choices we have, they are free. And Hashem, if, instead of thinking of Hashem like, oh, he already made the world and he knows everything we're going to do and this is so stupid, like, I'm, like I feel like a puppet. Like Shua said, Hashem is not like this, it's all in the way that we view him. So Hashem is not this like, you know, CEO, this, you know, of a company. And he's just like, you know, overseeing everybody running around and, and working really hard and like, you know, overworking and he's just like, you know, smoking a cigar and, and whatever, like the way you would think of Hashem. I don't think he smokes cigars, but um, if we think of Hashem as a loving father, then he created this world with everything that's in it and he wants us to succeed. He wants, like, like a loving parent, he wants us to be happy. He wants us to feel accomplished and to feel proud of ourselves. And the only way that that can happen in this world is if we do feel, if we do have that freedom of choice where we chose, you know, I wanted to do something wrong and I, I'm so proud of myself, like, or I'm so happy that I chose, I made the right choice. So I don't, and again, I think that this question is like a, is like a question that will actually never fully be answered until we really have, you know, Mashiach's times when Mashiach comes and we're actually going to understand and see godliness. It's going to all make sense to us. But as long as we're in this world, we do have control and free choice about our perspective in life and also our actions and our actions and what we say in this world. Okay. Next question. This question is, I've stopped caring to daven every day, sechitas, etc. And I'm confused how this all happened. I feel lost and I want to get back to doing the right things. I'm scared that I'm going to stop doing more and more things that I try to be careful to do, but I just don't know how or where to start. So I think, first of all, thank you for uh, writing this question. This is important. Um, and I would say, just to start off with, that um, the, the important words that uh, uh, jump out at me are stopped caring, confused, and confused, lost, and scared. So stopped caring 
is um, is numb, is being numb, um, and confused, lost, and scared are all feeling words. So. On the one hand, you're saying that you're feeling numb, but on the other hand, there are very intense emotions that are happening here. Interesting. And the other piece that I would uh, uh, that I would want to ask you about is, I think that not to focus on the davening part and the chitas part first, but to consider where in your life you are numbing. Are there any um, actions or behaviors or things that you're doing to run away from a part of your life because our brains are very powerful muscles that we have uh, but they're not necessarily specialized so in other words if you're numbing the brain doesn't know the difference between numbing from this painful thing that I'm experiencing or numbing from my life in general and if you start numbing what ends up happening is that you numb your whole life, and that can affect davening, that can affect chitas, that can affect not caring about doing the right things and the things that used to be important. And what numbing looks like, for many people, could be different, uh, but numbing could be uh, just trying to escape. So, you know, let's say um, being on the phone or um, using food or using substances or, or anything that we're using to escape our reality is numbing. So I would um, I not challenge you but encourage you to look at your life and see where you've started numbing. And when you concentrate on those areas and start um, being in your reality, even as painful as it might be, that will help you to start caring or feeling about other areas in your life yeah and i want to jump in also from a different angle as um so davening and saying chitas are the areas where you see you know yourself um not being able to do it um and that you're scared that you know there's going to be a lot more things that you're not going to be able to do and what i'm understanding is that it's probably that you know that you're talking about either spiritual things that you won't be able to continue doing or things like wrong actions you know that you might like go down this you know spiraling downward right that's scared yes and so i i'm looking at this because um and i just see the word god um the word god is good orderly direction and when we are connected to God and when we connect with God, when we feel like, you know, connected to Hashem and we feel close to Hashem, we actually feel close to ourselves because our deepest part of us is godly. As, Jew as Jews, you were born to a Jewish mother, we have a piece of God in each one of us. Right. And that piece of God doesn't get affected by anything that happens in this world, whether it's emotional struggles, spiritual struggles, um, physical ailments, whatever we go through in this world, that part of God inside of us never changes. Or things that we do or are done to us as well. Yeah. And sometimes the outer layer might get affected, you know, if someone's eating non-kosher or if someone's, you know, doing things that are impure, but the, 
but this, the deepest, deepest part, the inner, inner layer of our neshama is unaffected by anything in this world. And the reason why I'm sharing this is because when you're using the words, I feel lost, I'm scared, I want to get back to doing the right things, that is a part of you that will constantly be wanting to do the right things. It can't go away. So I just want to reassure you that even if someone you know is making the wrong choices or can't make the right choices because of whatever circumstances they're in or whatever they've been through or experienced, they always have that piece of them that's, and it's a big piece of us. It's not just a tiny piece. That's the way I thought of it for years, but it's who we are. It's literally who we are. That put, that That is that, that's that motivation, that want, like, I don't even want to be doing the wrong thing. Mm. I've spoken to people who have been on their phone on Shabbos from, from, you know, from teenagers. And, you know, I always hear the same thing. I really want to stop. Like, I can't right now. I'm trying really hard. Where is that coming from? Or, you know, like, you know, I've met, you know, even older people who are like, I'm such a trafe Jew, like, you know, and, and they feel terrible about it. Why? Why don't they just enjoy, you know, people who leave Yiddishkeit or they're, you know, like finally feel free. Where is that coming from where it's like, oh my gosh, I know I'm doing something wrong, but who cares? Or it's that, that we're, we're godly and it's not something we could ever run away from. It's not something we could ever take out of us. So the reason why I'm bringing all of this up is that maybe not caring about davening, saying chitas, all of those things connect us with Hashem. Is it possible that there's something that happened in your life or there's something that you're experiencing that's perhaps causing you to feel distant from God or causing Hashem to feel distant from you? I've been in situations where I felt that with Hashem. And, um, and when, whenever I've been in a situation where I don't want to do something that Hashem has asked me to do because I'm upset with Him or I'm really angry about something I don't understand, What's helped me a lot is to direct those feelings, whether they're the feeling of lost, scared, I don't care anymore, I feel hurt, I feel upset at God. Talk to God, let him know the way you're feeling and even say to him, I'm tr I wanna daven, I wanna say chitas and I don't even know where to start. It's so difficult for me because he's the one who causes everything to happen and he's the one that can help you get through this. Right. Um, there's also, I think, I think what was part of what you you um, touched on is this idea of religious trauma. So if davening and learning are important for you, and they should still be important for you, uh, but many times the re people who represent religion don't necessarily act the way that Hashem wants, yep. and sometimes the opposite. <laughs> and when we see people that we respect doing things that go against what Hashem wants that can cause tremendous difficulty with us connecting to Hashem. So I just want to validate that as well. Yeah. And, and also if, you know, if we're told, um, I remember when I was a teenager, a friend of mine lost a family member and we were davening all day, like literally around the clock to Hillam, to Hillam, to Hillam. And then that family member passed away. And for me as a teenager, I was like, wait, hold on. You say that to Hillam's going to help. And then he wasn't, you know, it didn't help. And I actually, I stopped saying to Hillam for many years. I could not say to Hillam because I was like, wait, hold on. You said this is going to happen and it didn't. So I find this also a lot of times. It's mm. like I'm davening, I'm saying chitas, you know, for whatever reasons. And then the reasons that I'm saying it for don't happen. Mm. 
Right. So then it's kind of like, well, I'm not going to do that anymore because obviously it doesn't work. Yeah. So that can also happen. And it all goes back to, you know, um, in this world, we don't, we still don't understand the ways of Hashem. And even all the Tehillim that was said for my mother, Allah Shalom, before she passed away, it could have been that it extended her life a little bit longer. It could have been, and we know that, you know, after a person passes away, it also, you know, that Tehillim helps that person, or it could be helping something else in the world. Um, so we, 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 we don't know how much our prayers and the chitas we say and everything, sometimes we don't see the effects, mm. but it's, it's, um, it has effects, yes. even if we don't see them. And if we knew how powerful it was, I don't remember which Rebbe said this, but if we knew how the powerful, Balshantav. if we knew how powerful it was, we would be saying all we'd, day, we'd we would stop. be davening and learning all day. Right. Okay. Wow. Good questions. Thank you. Um, next question. I think this is our final question for today. Um, my friends have kind of hinted to me how they really don't like the way I do things. They don't like how I say chas v'shalom or baruch Hashem or mirz Hashem. They also think that I'm better than them and to from, but I'm the last person to think that way. I'm not sure how they got that impression and I don't know how to, how to get them to not think that. One of my friends got TikTok behind her parents' back and she wanted to show me things on it, but I kept making excuses. I think I'm a nice person, often being given, uh, giving people the benefit of the doubt, but friends think I'm too good for them. What should I do? Uh, so I think Bashi probably has a lot to say on this, but I will just... Um, I actually don't. I'm formulating my question oh. as you start. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll just say two points that I think of. Um, I know that sometimes um, using the Baruch Hashem, Emir Hashem, Chas V'Shalom thing can be a form of OCD, religious OCD, where we feel like we have to say those things and we feel compelled. And uh, if you feel compelled to do that, uh, it really has nothing to do with Hashem. And if that's the situation, then your friends are right for being concerned. In other words, there's one thing about being religious, but there's one thing about not feeling as though you have a choice in doing certain things. And that could be a um, cause for concern. Uh, for example, if you feel like you don't have a choice but to say chas v'shalom, or you need to say chas v'shalom a certain amount of times, and that thought keeps itching in your brain uh, and then you have to say it and if you don't say it you feel very anxious that could be um, something in the OCD family the other piece is that besides for the OCD piece um, which I don't want to diagnose somebody just because of you know question but that's something that came to mind that's important to remember the other piece is that many times when people are struggling themselves with spirituality, um, and someone is behaving in a way that they would want to be behaving, that makes them really focus on the, the place where they are not. And if someone is a constant reminder of, in other words, if you are a constant reminder for your friends of where they're not holding, or the things that they're rejecting, that can really bug them. I don't know if that makes any sense. 
Yeah. Um, we've spoken about this. I don't remember which episode, but we did definitely address a question like this where what I'm doing, who I am, how I'm acting is triggering my friends. Mm. And that was a really important episode. So I, I, I like if I, if I had the episode, I would mention it here, but I recommend that you look back at our past previous episodes because we have addressed this question and just look through Maybe the questions. We'll include it in the session in the uh, uh, podcast notes. Yeah, but you can, but, but if you look back at Spotify or wherever, you know, on YouTube or wherever you're, you know, seeing this podcast, um, you'll see qu the questions. We write them out. So um, I highly recommend to look back at it and we'll find the episode and stick it in. Um, but it, you know, what, who you are, what you're doing, what you say, because other people don't appreciate it, doesn't have to change who you are or you know or how you act in other words relationships with others we want to be in the type of relationships with people who make us feel closer to ourselves people who make us feel you know after i hang out with that girl or that guy or after we're together i feel closer to myself i feel you know like i'm proud of myself i'm mm. happy with who i am because that's what they bring out so if you're constantly you know i know you're using the word friends but friends who make fun or you know put you down or um or who don't accept you for who you are and it doesn't sound like you're making wrong choices at least the way you've you know written it they don't sound like such good friends because the fact that you know you're doubting yourself and you're saying wait hold on like what's wrong with what i'm doing everything i say everything i i everything i say and all the good choices i want to make they're putting down those are not good friends yeah. And the fact that, you know, you have to make excuses when they want to do something wrong and you can't just be open and say, look, I'm not comfortable with this. You know, I really don't feel like this is right. Again, that's also not necessarily a, a good friend to have. Um, and if they think that you're too good for them, that's that's their issue. Like that, it could be that, you know, when they're with you, because you know whoever you are or whatever you're saying or doing is bothering them it's because there's something inside of them that's being triggered when they're around you but right. again that goes back to do you want to hang out with friends like that do you actually want to be with you know girls or guys i don't know if this is a girl or a guy who wrote it in but do you actually want to be spending time with people like that or can you try to look for someone else who can really you know, appreciates you and doesn't get upset whether it is OCD, Emirates Hashem, or it's the real Emirates Hashem. Um, someone who accepts you, someone who can be there for you, doesn't judge you, is unconditional. Um, I mean, yes, friendships are conditional, but someone who brings out the best in you and, you know, and it's, uh, it goes both ways. Right. I mean, you're not responsible for other people's triggers. I think that's an important thing to mention. And then yeah. the idea that, uh, the idea that we want to in in a in the best possible scenario you would be comfortable with yourself being at your level and your friends would be comfortable with themselves at their level and your level would not impact them or the way they feel about themselves and the fact that it is making that uh you know making your friends feel differently about themselves or bothering them shows that maybe you need to reevaluate the the relationship. Yep.
I think I know she was said one more, but I oh, the last one. But I think if we can do this next one, I want to do it only because like I'm looking back at this question, and yes, you know we are. Um, it has been a while since some of your questions came in, and we get to every single question. Um, so and that's why Shu and I just figured, okay, now we're gonna do this. No editing um, throughout the videos, and we are just gonna do this last question. Um, so we can get to your questions as much as possible. So the mm. question is, whenever there has been a time that I meant to make a hachlata, I can never figure out what to make. Now that Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, fast days, my birthday, the Rebetzins are all coming up. Um, and I know I meant to make a hachlata for these special days. I do want to make one and then work on myself, but I'm not sure where to start. Also, I know that when I'm too from, my friends and sisters don't like it and find me annoying. Any ideas? So... First of all, this question came after the other one. I don't know if it's the same person who wrote it because we just addressed that idea about when you're too from for someone else and they don't like it, they find it annoying. And the fact that the sisters came in now, so sisters, you can't really choose other sisters, um, even though my own twin you know, wanted to divorce me when we were younger, when we would fight. Um, she stuck with me for life. But um, <clears throat> so about being too from for them, I don't know that you can change them but you can definitely, but the question itself is talking about the choices that you're making. And I want to make a hachlata, a hachlata just to, um, just to define for our listeners or our viewers is a, a resolution. So something good that I want to take on. I want to work on myself. I want to, you know, it's my birthday. I want to grow a bit more, or it's a special day, or it's the high holidays. It's Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. So I apologize that this this answer is coming very well past Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. Um, but when it comes to making a hachlata, I'll just say this. So the Lubavitcher Rebbe introduced the idea of hachlata, um, at least with birthdays and, you know, and um, the, he always said, and this helps me, that if you're already working on something that you said you're going to work on and you can't think of something new or you're like, you know, already working towards something and you're still in the middle of working on it and, you know, take baby steps, like the Rebbe said, then your hachlata can always be, I'm going to continue working on what I said I want to do last birthday mm -hmm. and I haven't done it as much. So I want to, you know, really re reaffirm that I want to work on that. So I don't know if that answered your question, but um, it can. And also if you're making a hachlata, you know, I want to do this or that. Do small things. Doesn't not need like to be huge. forever. Yes, and that too. And even the word hachata means I'm going to try. I'm going to try to do this. So keep sending in your questions at jewishteentalk.com. Again, if any of you need these resources that we speak about on Jewish Teen Talk, ask your question. Um, if you can leave an email, when you do ask us to respond to you, please leave an email that we can respond to um, because the anonymous... The anonymous... Um, Submit button doesn't give us any way of getting back to you. Exactly. Thank you. So have a great week, everyone. And we should only hear good news about Israel and about all over the world. And just keep sending in your questions and keep being so awesome.